Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Remember that uh, entrust ourselves to God. And we do that. We try to lead us as a church to do that. And um, this Transformed series is one way we do that. Another way we're trying to be intentional about that, we've been talking about it and praying about it for a while, is a, a service to reach those for whom the English language is not a comfortable language or they're not proficient in it. Um, and as you heard, if you were with us at the beginning of the service, Betsy said we have set the Sunday after Easter, the, the 12th of April, to start that service at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in uh, beginning in our um, life center. Uh, we've had a team of folks meeting for a few months now, preparing, praying, um, uh, getting ready, and uh, they're led by uh, Juan Gale, our pastor uh, over that area with his wife, Fabiola. And if you haven't met them, I hope you will. They are, they are such a blessing. They're a blessing to me, and I think they're they're you're going to discover they're a real blessing. God has given Juan a real heart for those who are disconnected from God and uh, good gifts to serve and minister to them. Uh, and it is, it's a huge population. Um, no matter how you turn the numbers, uh, the, the Spanish-speaking the Spanish population of, of Houston in this area is, is significant in the hundreds of thousands uh, just in this area. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, many people are already coming. Uh, why? But w- what we forget is there are many more. And some of you have family, and you've told me. You have family. You have friends for whom English you're not proficient in. And um, you, you don't think in that language. And it becomes so much easier if you can hear the Word of God in, in your language. And we're doing other things in addition to that. But that's really uh, a focal point and um, um, I just feel like God has been been working that on my heart for, for a couple of three years now. And thankfully, we prayed about who God would send and, and how we would begin. And uh, I think Juan and Fabiola are uh, answered a prayer. And uh, I think it's going to be exciting to see what God does. So I want to ask you a couple of things right now. Just you be praying for them as well. And if you know individuals for whom that service could be a blessing, we have now cards, and I'm not going to even pretend to read it to you. Uh, I am not proficient. I'm, some would argue I'm not proficient in English, much less Spanish. But uh, everything's just like it. It's not, a, it's not a different church. It's our church. It's one people. We're one people. Uh, we worship in different services. But, uh, and so this, this uh, card is in Spanish, in order to give you something to give to them um, that, that is just a part of, it's part of what we do. So I hope you'll be praying about that and thinking about who you might share that with for the beginning the Sunday after Easter, the April 12th. And continue, we're continuing this transformed. And uh, if you have your journal with you, page 92 today is a place where you can either write your own notes or take the, 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 the notes that are in the bulletin and 
uh, write on them and then attach or put them in there so that you've got it all together. We continue to hear amazing things of God doing, working in people's lives. We've heard of, uh, of individuals coming to faith in Christ through these experiences and uh, people being challenged to, go, to push further in their faith. And it's, just, it's really exciting what God is doing. And the point of all this, as it says, is how God changes us. This is not about positive thinking. This is not about just even being smarter. This is, we are intentionally partnering with Rick Warren and Saddleback Church, seeking to be transformed by the grace of God. And our theme verse through all this is Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because God transforms us, yet we have to cooperate with that. I can hold God off. I can keep God from doing some of the things in my life that he wants to, but the more I yield to him, the more I give him opportunities to work, the more he will do. And this verse shows us that the key is to make not the world's norms our model, which is all around us, but God's by changing the way we think. And this week we are turning to the middle one, emotional health. We've got the little emoticons up there, the little faces. And, not, and notice they're not all smiling uh, because that's not reality. There is uh, so much to talk about here. Let me just share a verse with you that, that conveys some of the, the passion of God. Jesus said the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. He's, he's saying this, this is important. This is, this is what it's all about. It's not even about being nice. It's not about even coming to church exclusively. It is about loving God and loving your neighbor. Not just knowing about God. Yeah, I believe in God. Yes, I've heard of God. The Bible tells us the demons believe in God. So when you and I make a statement like that, we're not making a, a very strong statement of faith. Instead, we are called to know God, that, that somehow this God who is above all and in, across all of creation has made it himself, has designed us and desired for us to enter into relationship with him, just like the person seated next to you. That's what he's seeking, an intimacy with you and me, and not just simply some distant thing where you're living in fear or consternation about him. Now, let me just lay a little groundwork then to help us understand it as we look at emotions this morning. And, and this is, this is, maybe you haven't thought about this, but number one, God has emotions. Uh, throughout the Bible, we see God displaying emotions, joy, sorrow, anger. And, and the foundation for our emotions, for us, is God. Because the Bible says you and I were created in the image of God. You and I have emotions because God has emotions and decided to share that with us. Second, my ability to feel then is a gift from God. It, 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 I know it doesn't always seem that way. Sometimes our emotions go crazy, but they're also one of our most wonderful assets. It, it is that that allows us to, to often love and create, be faithful and loyal, kind and generous, and, and all the emotions that are attached to the good things of life. But three, there are two extremes that you and I need 
to avoid. The first one is emotionalism. And by that I mean where all that matters is how I feel. That's all that matters. That's all that I take into consideration. That if it feels good, I do it. If it doesn't feel good, I don't do it. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what objective standards of right or wrong are around me or what's popular or unpopular or good or bad. Only my feelings matter. They are what drive me. That is one extreme. The other extreme is stoicism, meaning that feelings aren't important at all. We completely dismiss them. The only thing that matters is my intellect and my will. I am a Vulcan, if you will. And say that in, in deference. I, I actually thought about that before I read that um, Leonard Nimoy passed away a couple of days ago, live long and prosper by the grace of God. Um, you know, but his character portrayed, you know, a, 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 this, this stoicism as a foil, if you will, to William Shatner's Captain Kirk, or in the newer movies, Chris Pine, and um, that, that idea that there was, you, you don't want to go too far in either direction. Both positions, emotionalism, stoicism, are extremes, and, and they're not helpful. A happy medium is what God created us for, not making it faith all about knowledge and intellect, nor all about emotions and feelings. God wants us to love him, to worship him with all of our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And though we may not see the word emotion commonly in our Bibles, we see words like passion or affection or heart, words that the Bible often uses to convey the idea of motion. God gave us a mind and he gave us a heart, mind, and emotions, and they are both important to you and in you. So this morning we're going to look at why the Bible says it's important to learn how to manage my emotions, and, and from there then, how do I actually do that, the, the, the skills of learning to do that, which is something then, if it's a skill, we can get better at it. And working on this is going to help us not only be more successful in our relationships, but also to experience peace of mind when sometimes we discover our emotions are running wild. So here are four important reasons you and I need to learn to manage our emotions. First, because my feelings are often unreliable. My feelings can be right, but they can also lead me, lead us in the wrong direction. Culture tells us, do what feels good, go with our feelings, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I, I cannot say that that is right. And in fact, I would suggest to you that sometimes that can be disastrous. How, how many times did something feel right that, that, that you did and it turned out wrong? And you can't understand it and you don't, it doesn't make sense. Last week, I, I told you that you don't have to believe everything you think. And this week, I want to tell you, you don't have to believe everything you feel. Some of the things you feel about yourself, about others, are wrong. Some of the things you feel in this life are not what God intends. We need to manage our emotions. Proverbs 14, 12 said, There is a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end, it leads to death. Second, I need to manage my emotions because my feelings can manipulate me. 
When we don't control our emotions, they control us, and we find ourselves manipulated by moods and feelings. We can be, we can be guided by feelings that aren't right versus going by the truth. And when we do that, we become easy targets of manipulation, even by others. And marketing understands this. Marketing is all about emotion, all about creating this, this drive or this hunger or this desire for something that, that may not be rational at all, that you don't need it. It's not something necessary or to the level it is promoting itself as. But marketing is very astute at Connecting with our emotion and in the process, maybe even manipulating us to buy even on impulse because of our feelings. Proverbs 28, 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, remember, in biblical times, the walls were critical. The walls separated villages from cities. The walls were what gave people in cities a, a sense of safety because when there was no wall, there was nothing to prevent invaders or marauders from entering into your community and ransacking it or sacking it and, and, and hurting and killing people. It's very, very common. So it, it's valuable to think about how we can avoid being an easy mark for manipulation. How many of us passed on doing something we really knew we should I really shouldn't eat that, or I really need to go to that meeting, but I just don't feel like it. And who takes advantage of this more than Satan? Because he knows that when he gets you and me to uncritically give in to emotions, he can lead you and me to almost anything. He'll use fear, he'll use resentment, jealousy, envy, bitterness, worry, shame, you name it. First Peter Wrote in First Peter, Peter wrote, Be self controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If we don't know how to manage our, our emotions, we're helpless against Satan, against so many others who would love to manipulate us through our feelings. Three, I need to manage my emotions because I want to please God. But, but God can't rule my life if emotions do. Think about that. If I make my decisions based on how I feel all the time, then my feelings are my God, little g, versus capital G, big God, one true God. Romans 8 says to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. I cannot please God if my emotions determine then how I live my life all the time versus what God says. And I want to tell you, there are a lot of things going on in our world today where people are going, but it feels right or it feels good. And the, the, the objectivity, the, the authority of God's word is just passed over. The fourth reason I must manage my emotions is because I, I want God's best in my life. I, I want to live the life God created me to live in ways that, that bring a sense of purpose and fulfillment, that bring peace, that enable me to, to live my life in a way that blesses others. Not simply for me or what I get out of it, but what I can do with it for the, the sake of others. And if we don't learn how to manage our moods and control our emotions and deal with our feelings, 
we won't experience God's best. I mean, there are a lot of folks who, who, who do not have the highest IQ who are extremely successful in life because they're smart in dealing with their feelings. But folks who are ruled by their feelings may end up never doing anything that, that they don't feel like doing, anything that could be helpful, that could be good, that could advance their life, their career, their experience, their family. Proverbs 5.23 says they get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. How many, how many people do you know who have, who have ruined their business because of a lack of self-control or ruined their reputation or ruined their family? But when we commit our lives to Christ, I mean, I'm, it's not just suddenly you got me physically, you got my heart as well. I submit my heart to Christ. I lay it at his feet for him to to transform because the heart, figuratively speaking, is the seat of emotion and Jesus wants to be Lord of every part of our lives, not just what we think or or our our bodies. And and it's, it's one of the things when we or doing baptisms, or we talk about coming to faith in Jesus Christ. We talk about Jesus being the Savior of our lives for what he has done in forgiving us of our past, but he also, he, he has to be Lord as well. And what Lord means is, in that moment when I receive forgiveness for my past, I now receive the power of God through his Spirit who comes to live in me to increasingly live for Christ, to have my life transformed as I cooperate. I don't have to cooperate. I can, I can quench the Spirit. But that's not what God desires. That's not what he created you for. That's not why he brought Jesus to save you, to just get you a little bit across a line. I, I, I say in our membership class and in some other settings, I think in some ways... Stopping right there is one of the most frustrating places in, in the Christian experience because you, you have received forgiveness of your sins, but, but your, your nature is still battling sin. And often we try to make it a works thing again. We, we, he gives it to us and we just we stop thinking about his grace and we keep trying to do it in our own power. God says, I'm here to transform every bit of your life, the rest of your days. And it can't happen if I'm not both Savior and Lord. 1 Peter 4.2 says, From now on, then, you must live the rest of your earthly lives controlled by God's will, not by human desires. Peter says that followers of Christ live with Him controlling our heart, Him controlling our desires, Him controlling our emotions. So how do we do that? I mean, that's this is kind of the nuts and bolts of it. How do we manage or challenge uh, an unwanted feeling? First, name it. Uh, the first thing I got to do in dealing with an emotion is I got to name it because I can't manage a vague feeling. I can't m- control and manage what I can't identify. If I don't know what the problem is, I can't work on it. Uh, yet many of us are not very good at recognizing and identifying what we're feeling. I mean, I grew up that way. Sometimes I have trouble knowing what I'm feeling. Now, for some of you, that sounds really bizarre, but for some of you, I just know something's not right, and it, it, it challenges me to figure out 
what is it that's going on inside of me? I grew up in a family where we didn't talk much about our feelings or, or were particularly expressive. Nothing, it's not that it was totally wrong or anything like that, but it means that I didn't get much practice. And what some of you have gotten a lot of practice at. And some of you are very good at it. And so there are times when I can't put my hand on what I'm feeling. And listen, one of the things I've discovered is tired and hungry are not feelings. Okay? Tired and hungry aren't feelings. They're drives. They're what, they're what I'm experiencing physically, but they're not a feeling. If I can't name it, I can't change it. I've got to name my feeling first. Psalm 55.2 says, My thoughts are restless and I am confused. And that's the way a lot of us are about our feelings. We're confused. So here are a couple of questions to help us manage our feelings, our emotions. First, what am I really feeling? And by that, by that I mean to get beneath the surface to the real feeling. I may be having a day where I'm a little bit down, a little bit unhappy, and, and I need to ask myself, though, what is leading me to feel that way? Maybe it was because I was criticized at work, or maybe it was something I was expecting that didn't happen. Maybe someone I care about is struggling. But I need to look beneath the surface to discern if there's fear at work or hurt or disappointment or whatever it may be. Some of us struggle to put a name on our feelings because we didn't grow up acknowledging them. I've seen counselors who have a whole sheet of emoticons, okay? And they have all these faces on them with words under them for all these variations. Now, it was kind of overwhelming for me. And so someone one time told me kind of a quick shortcut. And they said they asked me, okay, are you feeling mad, glad, sad, or scared. And, and I found that was really a whole lot easier for me to remember. Now, I, I know there are variations of all those. And some of you who are really good at knowing your feelings say, well, but what about this? And it can be over here. And no, 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 no. For, for those, this isn't for you. This is for those of us who struggle to identify our feelings. Because I can remember mad, sad, glad, and scared, or I have. And when I'm struggling to figure it out, okay, am I more mad or am I more sad? Am I, am I glad or am I? Is there fear at work? Is this scared? And it helps me get a handle on it. The second question is what triggered the feeling? Fe- feelings are triggered by some event, some realization. If I can't identify that, then it's probably, it may be out of control. It may be something I'm suppressing. When we swallow our emotions, our stomach keeps score. Or as Rick Warren said, if I don't talk it out, then I'm going to take it out on my body. If I don't talk it out, then I will take it out on my body. Sometimes the trigger is something we see. Sometimes it's a place that brings back memory. Sometimes it's a smell, a sound, or an event. But I can't tame it until I can name it. I can't solve a problem. I can't identify and recognize what triggered it. So I start by naming the emotion that I'm feeling. And then second, I challenge it. Remember, I said, I don't have to automatically accept what I am feeling as being the truth. I have to challenge it because often things aren't actually the way I feel they are. I mean, have you ever experienced that? You get yourself worked up, something's coming up tomorrow, and you've got been thinking about it and worrying about it and, and getting all geared up for it, and you get there, and, and it turns out it was hardly even mentioned, and it's not a big deal at all. And you say, what did I get all worked up about? 
I don't know about you. That some of you, you don't, you don't go there. You're, you're, you're able to work in your thoughts better. But some of us who are more geared around our feelings, it happens a lot, doesn't it? And we start projecting what's going to happen, and we run all these what ifs and these maybes. I always, always think about the story about the guy who was, who was. Um, coming home late at night and he had a flat. He didn't have a, a jack in his car. So he started looking around. He was out in the country and he couldn't, he couldn't, there's no house nearby, but a way off across the field, he saw a house. So he set off for it, hoping they'd have a jack. And he's going there, boy, I hope they have a jack. I'm sure they're, you know, they're probably really nice people there and they, they're country folk and they'll, they'll help me out. But, but then he started thinking, but you know, what, what if they, what if they don't want to help me out? I mean, what if, what if they had bad experience with somebody coming to the door? What, what if they, they don't like me? You know, and by the time he gets to the door, he knocks on the door, farmer comes, answer the door, and the first thing the guy says, hey, just keep your old jack anyway, turns around and walks away. <laughs> Haven't many of us done that? We've played a scenario out. We've run it way out there, and it never happens that way. But what have we done? We put ourselves through an emotional roller coaster. In many of the Psalms, David asked God to challenge and evaluate his feelings, which is pretty smart because God created us. He knows everything, uh, even when we can't identify it and knows what's triggering it. So admitting to God, I don't know what I'm feeling. I need help is a good thing. David did that, knowing God was there. Psalm 26.2, he wrote, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. He asked God to test his motives, his heart, his feelings. Sometimes we need to take it a step further and, and get a friend to challenge us as well. Get a friend to push us. What am I feeling? Get, it's got to be a close friend because you've got to be able to trust them. You've got to be able to hear them if they say something you don't want to hear. If I, don't, if I don't trust someone and they tell me something I don't want to hear, I have a hard time hearing it. But if I know they care about me, they, they, they love me, and they tell me something that I don't necessarily want to hear, I know their intentions are good. And for many of us, we need to know that those intentions are good, so you don't want to just take this and do it with someone with a casual friend. You need somebody you trust and, and, and someone who won't tell you just what you want to hear. They, they, they need to be willing and able to ask some hard questions. And, and tr- you need to trust that they're doing it out of love, out of their desire for what is best. And for some, th- that's a very hard step to take. But if your emotions and feelings are challenging how you're living your life, it may be precisely what's needed. Also, I need to ask myself if what I'm feeling is helping me or hurting me. Sometimes the easiest way to bring about a change in, in what, how I'm feeling about things you just ask, is this doing me any good or is this running me in the ground? If I get angry at a coworker and they're handling something at wrong that's at work that's not right, but I want to blow up about it because it's not right and I want to get angry and I want to explode, question is, does that help? Does that make it better? Maybe if you're the boss, you think it does, but does it really? It may feel good, but... If I can ask that question and recognize what I'm feeling, if it's not helping, then I've taken a positive step in the right direction of managing my feelings. The third thing, then, that I need to do to manage an unwanted feeling that, that isn't moving me forward in life is then to either channel it or change it. Sometimes we need to channel what we're feeling. In other words, take an, a negative emotion that I'm dealing with and channel it for some good purpose. For instance, you, you, you've, 
You've had some battle of injustice in your life where somebody hasn't treated you right. Maybe it's prejudice. Maybe it's unfairness in the classroom. Anything unfair. And the natural, the legitimate, the legitimate feeling that's going to come up is anger. But here's the question. Will my anger get the best of me? All too often, not if it's just... Yes, it will if it's an emotional outburst, but if I can channel my anger to use it to help others, it can do a world of good. I take my experience of injustice that's made me angry, and instead of venting my anger in helpful or, or harmful ways, I try to think about how I can use it to help others, to be driven to help others. And that is what the Bible would often call righteous anger. It's the kind of anger that God expresses. Because anger is not automatically sin. It's really important. The Bible tells us there are times when you and I should get angry, provided we don't sin in our anger. It's what we do with anger. It's the reason behind it that determines if it's sin or not. The the only reason, in fact, that you and I can get angry is because God does. God gets angry at sin, at evil, when people are hurt, when children are mistreated, when folks are abused, when they suffer injustice, because he loves us and he hates what evil and sin are doing. In fact, if you think about it, righteous anger is really a mark of love. Righteous anger is a mark of love. So we need to ask ourselves how we can take our anger and channel it for good. Yesterday, some of you know, we hosted a human trafficking conference here down in our life center because some folks in this area got angry at the way human beings, especially children, are being treated in our world and not just beyond our borders, not just somewhere else in the United States, but right here in Houston and, in fact, right here in the Bay Area. One of the things they said is Houston is the um, sort of the human trafficking capital of the United States. And the Clear Lake Bay Area may well be the or one of the capitals of Houston. That's not a, that, that doesn't speak well for us. And many of us, we don't see it. We're not aware of it. But there are some who are. And it makes them angry. They can't stand to see what happens to children. And they are working together across denominational lines and across communities to try to do something about it. See, don't waste a hurt or some pain you're going through. Use them for good. But sometimes we need to just change what we're feeling. Some emotions are destructive. They're damaging. They're hurtful. They're disruptive. i got to learn how to change them. Philippians 2.5 says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Our attitude, which includes our emotions, we, 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 the, the call of Scripture is that we are to model them after him how he lived, what he did. So I need to ask myself, how would Jesus feel in this situation? You know, the old, uh, several years ago, made the rounds of a book from a, over a century ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Would he yell at him? Would he, would he wring his hands in worry? Would he be filled with fear? No. If Jesus would not respond that way, though my feelings may push me in that direction, I need to recognize that not everything I feel is helpful. Doesn't mean it's that, that I'm bad for feeling that way. 
But I have to recognize that just because I feel it doesn't mean I can just, you know, wipe my hands of it. I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Every time we say that's just the way I am, we're saying God is not sovereign. God is not all-powerful. God can change other things, but he could never change the way I am. If you believe that, then God is not God. He's just a nice deity to wave at. If you have chosen to make Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then we have to recognize that when God says it, God can do it. And yet, this is not simply about positive thinking and willpower. And that's sometimes the message people walk away with. But if that were the case, things wouldn't be the way they are. That's why in Zechariah it says, you will not succeed by your own strength or power. But by my spirit, says the Lord, all powerful. God says, it's, it, God says it's not by willpower, but by God's power. We need to let God's spirit work in us to change the emotion that is hurting us and others in life. And here are a couple of just suggestions of ways we can do that. First, every day, ask God to fill me with his spirit. I need this because God tells me I can't succeed simply on my own. I need his help to manage my moods, to, to help me with my emotions. And in Galatians 5, 23, it says the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It says that there, are, there is no law against these things. And I want to tell you, any one of those would make our lives better. And the promise of Scripture is that God wants to produce all of that fruit and every follower of Jesus Christ. It's not for some. It's not for some Christians. It's not for, for the, the special ones, whatever that means. The fruit of the Spirit is intended for every follower of Jesus Christ. And, and what's interesting is the very last one, self-control. Self-control comes from God-control. The more I let God control my mind and my heart, the more self-control I will have. When the, when the Holy Spirit fills me then with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that's a whole lot better than being filled with anger, worry, fear, guilt, shame, and all these other damaging emotions. We said last week, nature abhors a vacuum. We can't just simply stop something and expect that we can manage it. We have to put something else in its place. And God says, my spirit wants to put the fruit of the spirit in you. And so when we're under pressure, whatever comes out is what is in us. If I've been filling my life with worry, with fear, with doubt, with envy, jealousness, bitterness, envy, gossip, guess what's going to come out when I get poked? That. But if I'm filled with God's spirit and the fruit that he produces then that is what's going to come out on, 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 or from me, around me, when the world puts pressure on me. I mean, if you have a tube of toothpaste, okay? You got a tube of toothpaste, you used it this morning, did you squeeze it? And for some reason, peanut butter came out. Anybody have that experience this morning? Oh, I see one hand. Interesting toothpaste. Well, here's the thing. Why did, why did toothpaste come out? Because toothpaste is what was put in. You don't get something different from what you put in. And it's the same thing with us. What is inside of us is what comes out of us under pressure. 
If you see someone who's putting, you know, you, you, they, they act real good, but under stress, under pressure, they just, they, they lose it. They, they, their mouth sounds like a, a, a really caustic sailor. You know, they, they, they do all kinds of stuff. They get angry, they kick, they scratch, or whatever it is. I know they probably wouldn't scratch, but you got to question what's really in there. Whatever's in me is what comes out of me under pressure. So I need to fill myself every day with God's Spirit. Second, every day I need to ask God to help me manage my mouth. Proverbs 10, 19. I hear a couple of amens on that one. <laughs> more amens. The more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. If you're wise, you'll keep quiet. Proverbs 13, 3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Half of the third chapter of James is all about controlling the tongue. And in it, it says that if you have this big old horse and you can use a little bitty thing called a bit and put it in his mouth, you can turn his head in any direction you want to go and, 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 and guide him. A bit can control a thousand pound animal. I have seen conversations blow up because one person could not control their mouth. We experience God's best when we learn to let God help us control what we say. And the key to both of these tasks is that God's word has to be in us. I need God's word in my life every day. Psalm 119, 11, O Lord, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 19, 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice there is, a, there is a direct connection between what I say and what I am feeling in my heart. What's in my heart is what com comes out of my mouth. I need to spend time each day hiding God's word in me, putting the words of the Bible into my heart and mind, if I want God's principles to come out of me. If I spend almost no time in God's word, I get almost none of God's word out. And what's cool and is transformed is that hundreds of you are reading a devotional each day. And, and for many of you, that is the first time you've ever done that. And you're, you're wondering if it's making a difference. I will tell you, it has to make a difference. You cannot bring God's Word into you if you're listening at all, if you're paying attention to it at all, and it not, over time, transform the way you think and talk and feel. But it's the old adage, out of sight, out of mind. If I'm not thinking about God on Tuesday because I didn't start my day with God, then there's a real good chance that stuff's going to happen and I'm going to explode or I'm going to blow up or I'm going to say some things I didn't want to or I'm going to do some things that are hurtful or I'm going to give in to my feelings and go in directions I shouldn't. I'm not saying if I read God's Word that morning, it's going gonna, it's gonna to automatically prevent it. But what I will say is over time, it will begin to transform and you will discover six weeks from now, six months from now, that you're doing some things differently. Not because you're a goody two-shoes. <laughs> because God is changing your heart. He's transforming who you are. It's, it's, most of the time, it's not these big blow-ups. It's these little quiet daily things that God uses to work in us, to transform us. And so you've begun a powerful habit. I want to encourage you, 
Keep memorizing. I want to encourage you when we finish this series, you need to already maybe be thinking about getting a devotional book or going to the YouVersion Bible app, which has hundreds of free reading and devotional plans. And keep on keeping on. Don't let stop what God has begun. Because if you stop, it's just like anything else. If I stop working out six months from later, I can't expect that I can lift the same amount of weight or run the same distance, right? And if six months later I haven't been investing myself in God's Word, I can't expect that God's Word is going to be coming out of me in the things that I do. Folks, God wants you to experience His best, and if you'll let Him help you deal with how you feel, if you let Him help you manage your emotions, man, you'll experience better relationships, you'll find more peace, because He is transforming you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving us so much. Caring enough to even get angry when we do things that are harmful to ourselves and to others. That you did not stand back and watch us from a distance, but you came and got right in the middle of our business with Jesus. And you have called us to trust him day in and day out. Help us, Father, to surrender our feelings and emotions to you that, that they are not ultimately the Lord of my life. And just because I feel it doesn't mean it's good or necessary, but that I always hold it up to your standard. And the only way I can know that standard and I can even think on that is by spending time with you. Help us to do that, Father, so that we may be increasingly transformed, so that the, the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control will squirt out of us. Anytime pressure is put on us. We pray this, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.